this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. Everyone wants to fight the sands of time and keep a youthful appearance. But sometimes genetics, stress, poor diet, and even a lack of sleep can accelerate the aging process. Plastic surgery is a popular solution, but there's the downtime, and it does come with risks. Joining us today is Dr. Anthony Yoon, America's holistic plastic surgeon and author of the new book, Playing God, The Evolution of a Modern Surgeon. If you want to know the secrets to looking 10 years younger without going under the knife, you're in the right place. Don't go anywhere. It all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest is a board-certified plastic surgeon, award-winning author, and anti-aging expert. He's been named one of the nation's top plastic surgeons by Harper's Bazaar and U.S. News & World Report. He's a regular on many TV shows, including Good Morning America, The Rachel Ray Show, The Doctors, Fox & Friends, and Dr. Oz, just to name a few. Known as America's holistic plastic surgeon, he focuses on factors that influence aging and appearance, including diet, activity, Activities of daily living, stress management, and non-invasive treatments. He's the host of the Holistic Plastic Surgery Show and best-selling author of The Age Fix and In Stitches. His new book is called Playing God, The Evolution of a Modern Surgeon. Welcome back to the show, my friend, Dr. Anthony Yoon. Thank you so much for having me, David. This, uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, it's so great to have you back with us. Tell us about your new book and the premise behind the title, Playing God. Yeah, you know, we've had so many books that claim to show what it's like to be a doctor or a right. surgeon or even a plastic surgeon, but there aren't a lot of books that show what it's like to actually get there. And it's, you know, it's a, quite a process to go from being kind of a clueless uh, new graduate of medical school to becoming somebody that people look to to help basically save lives. And the books that have come and the stories that have come uh, about this type of period, they all seem to put the doctor's in one of two camps, either it's a, the doctor that's holier-than-thou saint, or the doctor, especially in the case of surgery, is an arrogant jerk who basically right. thinks that he or she is playing God. And as you and I know, that the reality of medicine is really quite different from that. And so that's what I did. I set out to write a book that would really lift the veil on what it's really like to go from being a clueless new doctor to a successful surgeon. And uh, this journey is littered with heartaches, uh, with dead bodies, wow. uh, with happy patients, and with many, many lives changed. And I really wanted to honestly just put it out there. And those patients and their stories, the ones that will profoundly affect people, uh, I guess for better and, and unfortunately sometimes maybe a little for worse. Right. I know in your book you answer the profound question, what does it mean to be a doctor? And What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned over the years, and how have they shaped you into the doctor you are today? Yeah, you know, I trained uh, as a plastic surgeon. I did three years of general surgery training, uh, two years of plastic surgery training, and a year of cosmetic plastic surgery out in Beverly Hills. So I was very conventionally trained in how we do interventions. It's very right. interventionally um, motivated, I guess. So just to tell you, I had a patient, um, and this was very early on in my practice, um, who really taught me uh, that it's not so much the intervention always, but it's how you treat a patient that really matters. This was a woman who was in her 60s. She had open heart surgery by a cardiac surgeon, and that's where you literally saw the sternum in half to get at the heart. 
the, the surgery um, went well. And then, and then what they do after they fix the heart is they literally take wires and wire the sternum back together. Well, when that doesn't work out, the bone can get infected and it literally turns to jelly. And that's when they call a plastic surgeon like myself in. Right. So they call me to see this patient. And I saw that the, literally her sternum had turned to jelly because that bone had liquefied. And so I brought her to surgery. I did this six-hour reconstructive surgery, moving muscles from her tummy and her chest to kind of fill in that, that defect in the middle of her chest. The surgery went great. And for first week, she was healing great. Uh, two, three weeks later, healing great, gets out of the ICU. And I'm literally rounding on her every day for a whole six weeks. And I missed one day, and the day that I missed, I go to, the next, go to see her the next day, and she's in, back in the ICU. Um, she had had a massive heart attack. Luckily, I mean, none of it, not, I mean, the stuff that I did, that all healed right. fine, but she had this massive unexpected heart attack, and they expected that she was going to die. So I saw this woman who I poured my, really my heart and soul into, she was my patient, and there was literally nothing that I could do. And then it really was this realization as an interventionalist that sometimes there's nothing I can do to intervene. And so what I did, David, was the only thing I could think of, honestly, is I went and I held her hand. Now, she was intubated. She was on the ventilator, but right. I held her hand um, for a few minutes, and I basically said a prayer and said, look, you know, please help my patient. And... Every day for the next two weeks, I would come in and just basically hold her hand. And two weeks into that, I go in, and she, every day I'm going in, and they're telling me that this woman, you know, she's going to die. She's going to die any minute now. She's going to die. And I go, to, and she moves her hand into mine. Now, she's still on the ventilator. There's no signs that she is conscious, but she does that. And the next day I walk in, and holy cow. She's sitting up, smiling at me wow. off the ventilator. I mean, it was crazy. And I tell you, you know, I, I, I go to her, I said, holy cow, you're, you're alive. Like, you're awake. You're, you're breathing <laughs> on your own. And I said, I think you're going to make it. And she said, Dr. Yoon, I need to tell you something. And I said, well, what is it? And she said, I knew. And she said, I knew every day that you came in to hold my hand. And she said, I looked forward to it every day for you to do that. And she said... I need to tell you something. And I remember these three words to this day. She said, you saved me. And, uh, and I looked at her, and this was a time in my practice where I'd hit rock bottom. Uh, I, I was actually on the verge of quitting medicine altogether because I thought I was such a failure as a doctor at the time. And, uh, and this really helped to teach me the true beauty and the true art of medicine. And after this, uh, I really, I told her, I said, look, you, you actually saved me in, in a lot of ways, too. Wow. Uh, so that's know, just one of the lessons that I learned, you know, on yeah, my path uh, yeah, to becoming uh, a surgeon is that it isn't necessarily just about the intervention. I love how she said, you saved me. It wasn't a procedure. It wasn't a modality. It wasn't a, the Botox or lotion. Po and that's so profound. It's you. You know, it, it, it comes from you. And as you're telling me that story, I'm getting this visual. And it's like, that's so unorthodox. I commend you for that. But you're, you are an orthodox person. I've had a lot of plastic surgeons on the show. And I have to say, <laughs> you're the only one that tries to convince people to stay out of the operating room. <laughs> Tell us why that is. That's very odd. Yeah, I mean, it's so important because... You know, when I get patients who come to see me, 
and they say, well, what can go wrong with surgery? I say, I tell them you can die. And then basically we go from there. <laughs> uh, I had an incident uh, several years ago that really pushed me in this direction where I was doing surgery on a woman, uh, just what would, would be considered a routine facelift. Right. And I performed the operation. Um, everything went super smoothly. And so I leave the hospital. I have my patients spend the night in the hospital after they have facelifts. And I'm driving back to my office. I'm about 10 minutes out of the hospital, and I get a page from, from the nurse, 911, you need to come back now. And now is, is in um, capitals, N-O-W, now. So I whip the car uh, around, a U-turn, and I floor it. And at this point, I'm not even um, caring if a cop stops me because if a police officer tries to stop me, all the better because they're going to get all the traffic to get out of my way. <laughs> right. So as a surgeon, you know, I've seen patients who have bleeding episodes after facelift surgeries, and it literally can go from zero to 100 miles in like two minutes where their neck fills up with blood. And when there's so much blood in the neck, people can actually suffocate and die from it. Uh, and so I, here I am weaving through traffic. I get to the hospital. I jump out of my car. I run up the stairs. I'm taking the stairs three stairs at a time rush into her room, and sitting there in her bed is somebody who resembles Jabba the Hutt. Wow. Her neck, now this is a small woman, had filled up with blood so much to, to such an extent that literally you couldn't tell the difference between her neck and her, and her face. Jeez. So I grab a couple of gloves. Um, real quickly, I take a pair of scissors, and I cut all of her sutures out. And with these non-sterile gloved hands, I'm pulling out chunks of blood from her neck. Her neck deflates, and uh, I rush her to the operating room, um, clean everything out, uh, close everything up, and luckily to this day, she did great, and she looks amazing, as if you could never tell this even happened. But that wow. happened, and I knew that it was literally minutes that, that if it was a, a span of minutes, she could have potentially died. And after that happened, I really stopped, and I took a very serious look at the practice and, and, and my practice of medicine. At that time, I had hit what I considered to be the pinnacle of success. Uh, the busiest plastic surgeon in the Metro Detroit area I had people flying from all over the country to see me. I had a, a year waiting list just doing all these operations. And I thought, you know what, there has to be a better way, you know? And, and yes, I still do a lot of surgery, but surgery I do now is always as a last resort. So we start with the things that, that you recommend David, yeah. getting on the right diet, clean skin care, reducing the toxins in your environment, and doing all those things that we can do that can prevent us from going to the OR. And yes, there are those things that, unfortunately, surgery is the only option for. We use it for that, but not for the other stuff. Yeah. I know one thing that, that you've linked, we've talked about before about skin aging is uh, stress. It's, an, it's a skin ager. I'm curious, have you found stressed out people need more plastic surgery than those that are calm, cool, and collected? Have you seen this in your office? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's really interesting because I get so many patients. And literally just two days ago, I had a patient who came to see me and she said, Dr. Yoon, I have aged 10 years in the last year and a half. Uh, and she, she told me, she said, I got divorced, my husband was cheating on me, I lost my job, and then my husband died. My ex-husband died Jeez. after that. And she goes, I, I look very different than I did even literally a year and a half ago. This is a story I hear all the time. And, I mean, you can see it. I, I think that the easiest way to see the effects of stress on aging is to look at our U.S. president and look at, in a span of four to eight years, 
how they age so, so quickly. So oh, yeah, so stress true. is such a big part of it. And doing mindfulness and meditation and taking the time out to smell the flowers and, you know, it really can, I mean, stress can re, can, can do so much. There are even studies you know, that show, I mean, with hair loss, that de-stressing can really help with thinning hair that we see in so many of us as we get older. Yeah, that's so true. I, I, I know we've talked about diet playing a role on the health of our skin, and you and I share many of the same circle of friends, ranging from the paleo to the devout vegans, which makes it tough for some people to mm-hmm. figure out what diet you advocate. Because do you think we should eat like a gorilla or eat meat like a caveman ancestor does, or are you one of these bipartisan eaters like I am? I think I'm one of those bipartisan eaters like you. You know, I, it's tough because I have some friends of mine who are uh, whole foods, plant-based, and they are militant. And I admire the heck out of them because uh-huh. I think they're doing so much for the environment uh, and for people's health. And if I, let's say, had a major cardiac issue, then I would probably go whole foods vegan. I think that's probably the way to go. And, and we have cardiologist friends of ours who are big fans of that. However, that's not necessarily the best diet for everybody. And right. you and I both know lots of healthcare. Um, influencers and physicians and naturopathic physicians who've gone vegan and they have felt crummy and they go paleo, they add some animal protein and they feel much better. So I really think, I believe that there is a such thing as bio-individuality and that not all of us are, you know, made the same way. And some of us may thrive on a plant-based diet and others may thrive on more of a paleo um, I think keto for short periods of time can be helpful for people. And I think for certain types of neurologic issues, like if you had epilepsy, then that may be a, a good option. Right. Um, but I think what we, what we find, though, is that there are these more extreme diets um, that I don't agree with. And, and I think where everybody, everybody agrees with, though, is that the standard American diet is one of the worst out there. <laughs> Definitely. So, so we all agree on that. Get rid of that. Yeah, you, you, you reduce your intake of all the processed foods and all of that and, and increase your intakes of real food, then that's the first step for everybody. Yeah, yeah, we definitely share that, that same mindset on, on, on what's right to eat. I'm kind of like right there in the middle, and then, you know, I've explored both, and I've actually was a plant-based vegan for a while, and, you know, like I said, everybody's different. It's just I needed more, and I kind of advanced and kind of grew from there. Let me ask you, if we're talking about food, what's your opinion on food being put on people's faces and skin? I've heard everything from oatmeal masks, cucumber slices, avocado facial, lemon juice, reducing wrinkles and age spots. Are there any foods we should be rubbing on our faces instead of eating? Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, obviously, you want to have the right food. You don't necessarily want to put like um, sushi on your face. <laughs> but uh, there, you know, there's a lot to all of this, and it's because fruits and vegetables, typically, which is what you use for these things, are chock full of antioxidants. Um, they have some of them, like avocado, have good fat, so you can use. Um, you know, just for example, a very simple little trick is uh-huh. if you've got really dry elbows and you love avocados, take that avocado shell, and you can actually rub your elbow into that shell, and you'll get the good fats and actually some exfoliation. Um, there, are, there, are, there is, like I said, some definite truth to it. I think what we have to do, though, is keep it um, in the right perspective, because I get some people say, well, if I can make my own at-home peel with right. lemon juice and apple juice, you know, is that going to work the same as what we do in the office? Well, no, it's going to be much weaker. But there are definitely things that you can do. Just another example that that works really nicely, uh, instead of putting cucumbers over your eyes, what you can do is take 
uh, take slices of potato, uh, steep some green tea, put the green tea in the refrigerator, get it nice and cold, Mm -hmm. and then dip the, the potato slices into the green tea and put those over your eyes. So the reason why cucumbers in general work to reduce puffiness is mainly because of the temperature, because when you put them on, they're usually cold. Well, with this, you've got the temperature that will decrease puffiness. You've got the antioxidants of the green tea, uh, which is very soothing and anti-aging. You've got uh, the caffeine in the green tea as well that will help to constrict uh, the actual skin to reduce puffiness. And you've got the starch of the potato that acts as a very mild skin lightener. Um, So that's a a little trick that I do think works. But is that as good as using a retinol-based eye cream? Not quite the same. Not quite the same, right. I know you you use a lot of non-invasive options, you know, so a lot of plastic surgeons do. You know, I've seen cool sculpting, laser lipo, Ultherme, Kybella. I'm curious, is there a procedure you consider the least effective and a waste of people's money that you roll your eyes when people go and get? Yeah, they're definitely out there. Um, I have a thing on my website called the uh, Holistic Beauty Blacklist. Oh. And so what I did was I actually compiled a list of all of these, uh, these procedures that I don't recommend. Some of them don't work. Some of them are dangerous. Uh, and some of them uh, may just not be worth, you know, what the, the, down, the, down, the downside of them may not be worth the upside. Um, so just for example, something that is really popular right now that I'm not recommending are these threadless. And so there are dermatologists and plastic surgeons who are recommending this procedure where you take these barbed sutures, these threads, and you right. thread them underneath the skin as a way to lift up the neck or the cheeks or even the forehead. Now, the interesting thing is that this procedure was performed uh, very popular about 12, 13 years ago uh, when I was early in practice, and they were using these permanent threads to try to lift the face. Well, they didn't really work. The results would last maybe three to six months. Uh, but the problem is those, those threads were permanent. And so you may get a lift for three months, but two years later, these threads are still sticking out of your skin. <laughs> so they fell out of favor, uh, and the company stopped making them. And as what we see a lot, unfortunately, in the field of plastic surgery is that the doctors who learned that lesson they're doing other stuff, and new doctors come in, and now the new doctors are saying, hey, there's this great idea of threadless. And now I can take these absorbable sutures and run them under the skin, and because they're absorbable, they don't stick out of the skin, but you get this immediate change. And they charge thousands of dollars for this, and there was a recent study that came out. You know, I've been telling patients for years, don't do it, it doesn't work. Right. And finally, there was a recent study that came out in our main aesthetic surgery journal uh, just a month or two ago, saying these don't work. They last maybe six months if you're lucky, but now, but here you are paying thousands and thousands of dollars for really a very, very temporary result. And you know what? If your doctor tells you, hey, you're going to pay me $3,500 and this is going to last three months, and you do it, well, there you go. But this is not necessarily the story that doctors are telling their patients. So it's definitely a buyer beware market. I mean, plastic surgery is truly the wild west of medicine right now. Yeah, there's a fine thread to this truth out there, <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> hey, let me ask you, what about, what about collagen creams? I know there's so much on the market claiming to boost collagen and reduce signs of aging. Can a cream produce collagen, or is the molecule too large to cross the skin barrier? You are completely correct. The molecule, the collagen molecule, is too large to, to pass the skin barrier. So this, our skin... Uh, is basically a protector. You know, it acts as a barrier to prevent 
stuff from getting into our body. And right. collagen is quite, it's, it's quite a large molecule, and it's hard for it to get through. What does help, however, when you talk about collagen, are collagen supplements. And this is really interesting because there have been a number of studies that have shown that people who take supplemental collagen do uh, find that the collagen in their skin is thicker, they have um, less fine lines, and their skin even feels more hydrated. And we are seeing a lot of this in people who are taking the supplements, but also people for years who've been drinking bone broth, and right. bone broth being full of collagen and gelatin, and people noticing that after drinking this bone broth regularly that their skin looks better. Uh, and so, yes, collagen as a cream, I give it a thumbs down, <laughs> but as a supplement, I do give it a thumbs up. Yeah, I was hoping that because I've been, hey, I'm going to ask this guy. I've been hearing a lot of this collagen, you know, from creams, and I said, that doesn't make sense. I'm glad you cleared that up. I want to mention for the listeners out there that don't follow Dr. Yoon on social media. I urge you to do so. His new book is called Playing God. And after you see the before and after photos of his patients, it's obvious that God works through this man to create amazing transformations. In addition to being a surgeon that's serious, as you hear, he has some knowledge. You're going to love his sense of humor. In fact, many of his posts are going to leave you in stitches, pun intended. So I urge you to follow him on Instagram and Twitter. It's uh, at Tony Yoon, MD. And on Facebook, it's at Dr. Yoon. Last name is spelled Y-O-U-N. And in the last minute or so we have left, is there anything else uh, you'd like listeners to know about your new book, Playing God? Why should everybody listening get a copy like I have? Well, I think that if you're ever wondering what it's like to actually be in surgery and feel the hand of God guiding your hand to help somebody, somebody who you may think uh, on the surface you cannot help. Um, I've got some stories there that I think will really uh, astound you and, and hopefully um, inspire you because, uh, I mean, there's so much that happens that uh, I really enjoy sharing with you. That's great. And for our listeners considering going to plastic surgery, I know you mentioned this last time, it's really helpful. What should they look for when they search? Is there any particular certifications? What should they look for when finding somebody that, because obviously they can't go to you or you'd be so busy, you'd hate me for giving your, your address, but what do they look for in their town? So you want to make sure you find a surgeon certified by the American Board of Plastic Surgery, number one. Number two, look at the before and after photos and make sure there are a lot of those of the procedure you're thinking of doing. And number three, make sure that doctor sits down with you and spends some time explaining things with you. If it's just a quick sales pitch, if the doctor doesn't even meet with you before surgery or seems really rushed, then you can bet that that doctor will be rushed during your operation and your treatment too. And you do not deserve that. You deserve much, much better. Great information. Thanks for joining us today and sharing such youthful information. Always a pleasure. I want to get you back on the show more. You're great. I love this. So I appreciate it all. And Thank then, you, David. Yeah. To learn more and to get your copy of Playing God, you want to go to dryoun.com. Let me spell that. It's Y-O-U-N. And while there, be sure and check out his video library, articles, and informative blog posts. They're great. Also, be sure and listen to his podcast of the Holistic Plastic Surgery Show. I'm a regular listener, and I recommend it to everybody. If you're a listener of this show, you'll love this his show, Plastic Surgery, Holistic Plastic Surgery Show. And you can follow him on Instagram and Twitter. Let me give that out again. It's at 
Tony Yoon, MD, and on Facebook at Dr. Yoon. And for my daily Facebook and Twitter posts, I'm at Dr. David Friedman. On Instagram, I'm at Dr. D. Friedman. If you heard Dr. Yoon share something today that would benefit somebody you know, send them a link to this podcast. It's available at toyourgoodhealthradio.com or radiomd.com and peruse our podcast library. Share these segments with friends, family, and coworkers, and on social media. This information is too important to keep to yourself. Sharing is caring. You can also subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.